I, I have fun talking about Halo and other movies, but mm-hmm. if there's one thing I wanted to do this summer, Cheney, was get on the mic with you and talk about this movie. Or just watch this movie in general. Because we really didn't know if we were going to watch this movie. And that was the one big worry was like, uh, what a shame it would be to like, this just comes out, comes out on Netflix or something and it's like, there you go. That That's tenant for you. Yeah. No, but this is, uh, I guess like I'll just preface by saying like, going to try to not spoil too much in the beginning. Like definitely want to get into spoilers, but let's try and for people who haven't seen it because it's, it's a really tricky time to see movies and we, you know, obviously all that. So uh, we'll be sensitive to that and just talk about non-spoilers for a little bit which is really what this movie is next to impossible it's almost impossible to like talk about this movie in general yeah like uh, i have a few things this to talk is about. yeah let's let's get into it though it's let's take a pause because <laughs> okay good timing sure because i need to tend to my dog so i'll be right back <laughs> cheney's dog really wants to make a special guest appearance on the show uh it's been it's been Lots of emails, lots of back and forth with his people, our people, and and you know we're eventually we'll give Cheney's dog a slot to talk about what Cheney's dog wants to talk about. But I mean, I mean he still hasn't seen Tenant yet, so he, he can't get a word in right now. Sorry. Uh, what else? Now it's just me on the mic. I'm gonna try and keep the keep the airways not empty for your ears. Um. Yeah, I hear Cheney coming back now. That's a good sign. I don't know how long I can sustain just talking to myself. Did you talk there the entire is. time? I was talking the entire time. Okay. Sweet. I said I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure these people don't have uh, blank airways and my ugly voice is there all the time. Well, I could have edited it. Great. Man. Let's let's get into it. Okay. First first off, I think we t- we talked on the phone for a little bit right after until mm-hmm. your phone died. Um, we <laughs> probably would have talked. I, I had to. Oh yeah, we would have gotten into it longer, but like I had to call this guy after. Like I, I needed to talk to somebody who had seen the movie to like you know it's one of those things like you really want to talk about it after you see it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, but yeah, why don't you start? Let's just say that you know I, I told this to you. This is non spoilery, but non spoilers for now. Um, this is Nolan's most inaccessible movie in terms of. You know, there's sort of a prerequisite of knowledge. You need to go into this movie to understand it. Mm-hmm. You got to understand that you're watching a Christopher Nolan movie uh, and that you should probably have seen other Christopher Nolan movies in preparation. No, or, but this not is, in prep- this is, yeah, no, yeah, this is even above any Christopher Nolan movie in terms of complicated concepts to, yeah, con- to create a plot around. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it wasn't that hard to explain in Interstellar that the larger the gravitational force, the, the the faster you experience time. So that sort of thing within Interstellar was, you know, a lot more accessible to people um, in sort of the mind-bending ways that he made that movie. Inception mm-hmm. was still, you know, despite how confusing and not and um, and, and secretive that plot is, um, it's. I'd say, I'd say that Tenet is still far more confusing and secretive in terms of plot than Inception or Interstellar or yeah. any Nolan movie. I has think ever been. We before. have we have the benefit also of 
being able to watch those movies like multiple times through and through because I, I completely agree with you. This is one of the most confusing movies I've ever seen on a, as far as first time viewings go, as far as how I felt walking out of the theater. Um, like I'll tell you like so much, uh, like not only like went over my head, but like I felt I'm, I'm just, I'm like, I'm, should just turn off my brain for a second and and just try and watch this without trying to understand it too much because once you try and once you try and tell your brain i'm gonna figure out this problem while i'm comprehending it visually as it comes to me you're you put yourself in a situation it becomes like uh a patting your head uh tapping your head and rubbing your stomach type of a situation you're trying to do two things at once that are just it's going to break your brain. So after like the 30 minute mark of this movie, uh, you know, when he, there's a lot of exposition that gets handed to you. There's a lot of, uh, characters kind of explaining things of how things work of, of what's going on, what this, what the conflict is and all that. And like around that point, I could say, okay, yeah, this is like a lot, um, even for a Christopher Nolan movie. And that was my first time viewing experience that that's when I had to kind of, um, you know, there, there's it's it's okay sometimes when uh, I think a filmmaker, you know, they they engage you and they get you to actively participate and work in the movies and, um, but uh, damn, I don't want to get too much into into my criticism yet. I I do want to state start by stating some some of the things that I just uh, I was like blown away by by this movie. Like, I, I the first thing I want to say is this movie is just it's mind blowing. It's it's absolutely mind busting like it, it kicks down the door to your brain and it, it, it makes you look at the world in a different way truly mm. uh would you say would you say that much is fair like it for me walking out of the theater and kind of thinking about what i had just seen um it was it was a, one of those kind of like transcendent experiences not to use the word to to flamp like out there and whatever but to think like, okay, this is what movies can do now, that this is what a film can achieve and the ideas it can and concepts that can be pushed across now. Um, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's the a top, like the highest level of filmmaking that I've seen put to screen, um, a high degree of acting, like actors that I really liked in it. And, you know, the movie is not without its flaws, which I think we'll get into. Uh, I was, I was like really critical about it getting out of the theater and, we had like a lot of good critical t- uh, um, points about it after watching it, but I I don't think. Actually, I'll just leave it at that for now. I, I yeah. the film the film is definitely uh, it has some major critical flaws. Um, from my point of view, I think I think the amount of at times just information that you're given and 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 expected to hold on to and and carry with you. While so much spectacle is going on, it's it's a bit overwhelming, um, and, and and it's really like you said, like be aware that you're watching a Christopher Nolan movie in this movie because mm-hmm. uh, that that shakes the ground a little bit. Yeah, um, it definitely has some of my, you know, I can already tell it's going to be one of my favorite theater experiences in in quite some time. Um, mm-hmm. Having those, you know, slap your viewing mate on the shoulder oh dude like holy shit like holy fuck like this is happening um it 
this movie definitely makes you do that. There's there's nice little he gives you nice little breadcrumbs and then eventually you get a whole loaf and that loaf is delicious, yeah. you know? Yeah. And um, I love how it teases you in the beginning of the movie. Like things don't really kick off I mean fully. Like I there there's moments where like the car engine is like hit a little bit, uh, but you know, it's still moving slowly through its paces and then you know, in those moments when it hits, it really fucking hits. But yeah, uh, yeah go on with your what you're saying. Um so absolutely like it's it's got those those big reveal um moments that make you go holy shit um it's got some absolutely bonkers action scenes that i have no idea how are even humanly possible with some absolutely mm-hmm. like oh my god mind-bending phys- visual effects um, like a real mind-bending shit bro like, no, like really actual, fucking out here mind-bending yeah. shit it's like it's not like it's it's not like good CGI. It's not, it's not it's like, not oh, wow, that was convincingly yeah. good CGI. It's it's like, how the fuck did they manage to pull that off, bro? Yeah. It's like, it's also, it's not like psychedelic CGI where it's like shooting patterns in you. It's not that mind-breaking stuff. It's no, literally no, like yeah. stuff that makes you go, that makes no sense, but somehow yeah, I'm like I can't it. Compre- yeah, like I can't comprehend this. And I, I had to, this isn't a spoiler. Um, This is just advice for people that are going to watch this. And me and my dad, talked about it today after we watched it like you can watch like you know the way we think the way people as people we think is linearly right you cannot watch this movie and think about it linearly like even at the end of it while you're watching it anything about it it's and then you think about like okay them making this movie like at what place did they have to be like coming from uh like conceptually right like that's what i love about christopher nolan it's like entertainment value aside like he makes some really damn entertaining films like he he's a filmmaker that's worth paying 10 bucks putting your butt in a theater seat and watching a movie for like he's if not one of the only filmmakers that's still pushing that actively pushing that experience forward and pushing the medium forward but he makes movies that like expand the way you think about the world and like just push ideas forward in general like concepts like you said and and just like not just in a sense of sci-fi and like, oh, like this could be the future and this is cool and all sci-fi. Like, no, but like real life human ideas. Like, you know what I mean? Without getting too deep into stuff, like I I just, I, I love how you can walk away from a Nolan movie and like reanalyze a certain aspect of the world and life. And like, what does, I think that's as, as kind of fucked up human beings are and like, you know, one of our biggest things is like our our existence. Like, what what is this? What is, what are we doing here? And mm-hmm. when a filmmaker can, or like a film in general, can take you take you to that place of like really pushing that question further and further and further, like that's something fucking cool, man. Yeah. Like that's cooler than any aesthetically pleasing sci-fi or whatever. Like it's evoking something deeper than that. It's evoking something human. Uh, our existence questioning that and yeah i mean there's nothing there's nothing i mean there's so much more i can say like positive wise but uh i want to move to the spoilers for that so if yeah if there's any more you want to say without spoiling it let's get to that um i will say the acting for the most part is outstanding um standouts obviously are you know our boy robert pattinson um robbie pats oh yeah i think kenneth brana he did a fucking like it's kind of a cartoony performance Mm. a little bit 
I was going to say. I fucking love that shit when it comes no, to... No, but it's... Yeah. yeah, right. It's almost like right on the fence. Like, it's 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 too, it's almost like, oh, Russian cliche villain. You're right there, buddy. But no, he, he keeps it... He keeps it well controlled mm-hmm. i think he's still he's still a believable it's not like this is some caricature it's like it's a believable person that you think could exist and that's scary oh absolutely um yeah but i think the standout for me and i think probably for you as well is elizabeth debicki as cat um mm. that character was really um without getting too spoilery it's she's at least my anchor in the film um in terms of a character mm. that i can get attached to and sort yeah. of um, gets carried along. I think by design, yeah. I think yeah. by design, that's a really purposeful thing. Yeah, it was. Um, sh- her character is my favorite character throughout the the movie, and mm, that's interesting. I I was gonna predict that Robbie, like uh, Neil, is his character's name, but um, who Robert Patton plays. But yeah, that was the most interesting character for me. Uh, but that's interesting. We got two different in- um, kind of favorite characters in that way. Um, I'll get into when we talk about negatives. I'll get into as to why that is. Okay. Okay. It's a, it, yeah. Oh shit. Fucking technical difficulties. Hold on. Okay. I'm still recording. We're good. Anyways. Yep. Um, some quick non spoilery negatives for me. Um, there this yeah this movie is so confusing and it moves so fast to the point where i think it's almost necessary to have a second viewing to to appreciate and for someone like me who's willing to do that that's not a big issue i think it makes i I think it makes for all the better second viewing it's not like a taxing second viewing it's like uh it makes the film worth it almost yeah. that first time around. Yeah, it's it's a re- it's a very rewarding second viewing. It's almost like yeah, it's rewarding. Your yeah, reward for watching the movie is then being able to watch it again and understand it, which is yeah, understand it a little better. Uh, but I I think it's like it's like Inception in that way, kind of like what you said. Uh, or I don't know if you said it, but Inception it's ten years old at this point and it's still being talked about today and still being processed and under trying to be understood and figured out. And I think this movie is going to push that even further um, in the sense that it, it's going to take like 20 years for people to fully get through it and understand what, what's going on and in and, and that kind of way. Um, but that's also brings its own faults, I think, which is what you're getting at. Um, it, it, that also has in, in terms of storytelling, I think, and in terms of being able to engage with the story, um, uh, you know, other than the fact that you're you're watching Christopher Nolan film and all that, like it is a bit hard to to really follow the story and kind of intimately engage with it in that way. Yeah, right. It's, Would you um, see the same? It seems as though, and I don't want to make this sound too harsh or make it sound like the movie's unwatchable because it's not. It's a still a great experience that I want everyone to to go and see in the theaters. But it seems as though the story for a movie takes a backseat in this aspect. And the main thing that Nolan pushes to the forefront is the concept of the movie to begin mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. is, yeah. is the idea from the movie to begin with, which is fine. Um, I think that's how he approaches movies. Honestly, like when it comes to making a movie and writing a script, I think that's his approach to begin with. It's like, well, here's this concept I've thought about and 
would be interesting to try and film that. So yeah, it just seems that this concept was so complicated, and he was for sure so hell bent on thoroughly explaining and showing yeah. how it works that characters and and, and um, the accessibility even, to the, accessibility the story itself. and the emotional connection sort of fell yeah. behind in mm-hmm. favor of the mind blowiness, if that makes sense. No, that's that's completely fair. Like that's. And I, I, I think that holds true. Like when you watch the movie for the first time, um, I think that's apparent to most people that you can't fully talk about this movie or comprehend it in its entirety in that first viewing. Like it's it's unfair to give it a review or um, like a finite opinion almost. Like you should give yourself uh, some time to think about it. And I, I, I want to say this is, you know, partly to his benefit of creating a movie that you can rewatch a shit ton of times like Inception or like the Dark Knight movies um, or Memento for that matter and just keep finding new things about it. But uh, yeah, it definitely hits a snag when it comes to first time viewings because uh, I'll just give a little story. For my first time viewing, I saw it with my best friends, Savvy and Jonas, shout out to those guys, um, and my younger sister actually. So, And me and my sister have uh, been watching most of Christopher Nolan's movie and just kind of been going through them and and I've been showing them to her so she can get an understanding of him as a filmmaker and, and, and what his style is all about in preparation for Tenet, of course. And um, so, yeah, like me and her coming at it from um, kind of just fresh off his other films were still kind of taken back, like almost by what did we just watch? Like, did we even did we even fully understand what we just watched and, you know, questioning all these things like um that came from Christopher Nolan fans who are fresh off Christopher Nolan. And then my friends who are, you know, absolutely like they're not really well versed in Nolan's films or in or cinephiles in that kind of way. They they're more of the popcorn audience, the general audience that movie movies target to get in their seats. Right. And their opinion on the film after first viewing was like completely incomprehensible of what they saw. Like they didn't understand. There was more questions than sad that than a satisfactory mm-hmm. kind of feeling and uh like it's, it's a shitty thing to say like this movie is going to depend on the type of an audience member you are or how much of a nolan fan you are but i think it will come down to that in some cases um how like it, it's gonna be a unique experience to most people I, like i i one of my friends fell asleep for a, a whole bunch of time throughout the movie and I don't even know how that's fucking possible, but like, that's just cause I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan. Um, so yeah, this movie is going to be something, something for somebody in a different way. Like, does that make sense? I don't know. Um, yeah, it, it's what I'm um, trying to say, I think is, is it's almost like it's made like really specifically and well done for Nolan fans, fanboys, fangirls, whatever. And for the general audience, it's almost like hope you can catch up or hope you can keep up almost yeah it's it's not gonna hold your hand um which is unfortunate because i actually do think it would have benefited from some hand holding um they see i feel like those moments where it tries to hold your hands are like the the weakest i don't want to say weak like i'm judging or criticizing too hard but like are are the slipperiest parts of the film for me the the over the the moments where really explaining had to take place through dialogue and stuff like that uh as far as first time viewing go that's where i was like brain out the door you know uh 
No, I was in completely engaged in those because I actually want to understand how things worked. And they were just talking so fast and characters came in and out so quickly that... Yeah, um, but that's what I mean. That doesn't allow you to be engaged too much no, when they just, talk. Yeah. It's like they're trying to get through their lines. Like, you know, they're trying to get to that next line. Exactly. Like, I don't know. So, like, make, have some fun with it. Like, you know, with the interstellar yeah. scene where it's like, you know, here's how a wormhole works. Fold a piece of paper and push pen through. Exactly. Beautiful. Yeah, that's a... Yeah, I was saying this to to my friends also. Like, Interstellar, that's a great example. Um, Inception also with the totem, mm-hmm. right? The There's ways to visualize and symbolize the concepts and stuff that they're talking yeah. about. And this... Uh, because they're really out there concepts. And yeah, that unfortunately uh, kind of lacks in this. Like, it doesn't... It's not thoroughly... It's not that it's not there. But when it is there, you're more confused yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Like, no, you're, you're more... There's no, like, general like oh man you're right there's no like personification of some sort yeah. of object or or something to sort of symbolize how the movie works whereas yeah. in- but in, in a way in a way that's also i guess kind of good like there's no way there's no dumbing it down like it really it expects you to keep up with the film and and to be a smart audience um you know and yeah listen it's, it's weird it's it's weird in that way. It's good. It's, it's I've still it kind had of, one viewing, and I am a Nolan fan, and um, I'm familiar with some of the the theoretical science he put into this movie, and I still had to come out and I still had to Google things because I was completely lost on so many areas to where like yeah, this mm-hmm. movie made me you know made my mind blow when I when I yeah first saw it in some areas that were pretty clear to me but i'm still so confused on so much more um you know and i and i do think i need a second viewing but that's like i have some issue with you know movies that need a second movie second view yeah right? some movies are yeah good or better on a second viewing but it feels like this movie needs a second viewing, and that's it. Absolutely needs it. It's it so weird to, and I, and I have a problem with that. You know, in a way, sort of. I don't know. Something. Do you think? Do you think that? And because I started thinking this kind of while I was watching it, but do you think that that is because we are aware we're watching a Christopher Nolan movie, not just because of the contents of the film, but because we have the you know the expectations of what. It means to be watching a Christopher Nolan movie no, and, and and no, I'd say the no, opposite because you know I when going in you're like this is a Christopher Nolan movie I need to pay attention, right? It's not some no no but that exactly that's what I mean like you went in with such a you it almost went overly prepared to focus and when it when it blew you away when when those when things started to hit the fan when shit started to get real it it was too fast like you were like I I'm not prepared enough like or I'm not. I'm not on there enough. Like, you know, then you have to take a backseat a little bit and just let the movie carry forward. I Like, I don't know what I, I, what I'm trying to say is like almost when I watch it for a second time and we'll get into this into more spoilers, like after about it, but things like just flowed much easier for me. I think because one, my expectations dropped, I knew what to expect and, and yeah, like just overall lines of dialogue felt smoother, less clunky, like less expository, less explaining and, 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 you know, like when we talked about it on the phone after, I felt like you had to really pay attention to each line. Like each line carried a textbook worth of information that you should hold on to and pay attention to. That felt easier, like less of a job on the second viewing to me. 
so I don't know. It makes me think that partly it's like, yeah, it's a very complicated film, but another part of it is like, we're so, I don't know, partly excited that we're watching a Christopher Nolan movie or, or the, the, everything that is kind of given with that, with the fact that it's an Nolan movie kind of plays into it. If that makes sense, you know? That's a weird argument. Uh, otherwise, cause... like, it, why why wouldn't people be more confused in the second viewing if things didn't make sense, right? Like, it, it's sort of a weird argument because if I'm going in and I'm expecting an old movie and I and I focus harder than I would if I didn't go to see an old movie, then why would I become more confused if the movie itself wasn't confused? Exactly. Ex- Exactly, but it's because you can't peg Nolan's brain or, or like where this movie is going in and what direction are, is it moving. Right. Like you can't, you can't put a finger on it. You can't. It's to say like, oh, I've I'm I've predicted the uh, the genius of Christopher Nolan or his movies. Like, and I'm not using that word lightly. Like, this man is really a fucking genius, as any genius could be, because the ideas and the concept that he pushes in this film, like no joke, will break your brain. Like. I had a long discussion about it in, in, in both car rides back with like my friends and family with you uh, and and it, it pushes conversation because you won't be satisfied by just watching it and thinking that's it. Leave it at that. There's so much to break down. There's so much to dissect and try and figure out whether you're going to get the answers are completely irrelevant, but this is what I'm like was trying to get at. It's the things that make you question what being alive is and existing on the earth and the world and all of this, what all that means when a film can do that, it means something, right? Like that's what I believe anyways. Like, uh, from a, like from a filmmaking point of view and, 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 and a total like creator's point of view of, of what Nolan's done. Like this is, uh, uh, fuck let's just get into spoilers man i don't want to ramble too much about about dodging the specifics it's too hard to talk about this movie without getting into it let's get into spoilers now okay you lead uh so when we start the movie it begins in uh in a kind of an cia op like that's what i that's my takeaway from the opening yeah. opera sequence. You've watched it twice. And I did. Was it a CA op? Because I, I still don't know if it was him working with the Russians or with Russians that were working with the Americans. I don't. Yeah, I don't think he was in a specific relationship with the Russians. You know what I think it is? Uh, I think it's what? I think it's himself giving himself the mission. I think whatever organization he's running manipulated people to get him to do that mission in russia oh well well yeah that's that's essentially what the whole movie gets to right like that it's all about recruiting yeah that's now we're leaping into the the end of the movie but yeah you're right like that's that's i think essentially what it is um but yeah so the beginning sets up our lead character the protagonist whose literally name in the movie is not told so we just call him the protagonist the whole time Really interesting choice by Chris Nolan to to do that, I think. Uh, and we're introduced to them in in the middle, like in the heat of what he does, which is being a spy essentially, and and kind of a good spy at that. And then it takes a turn from there, where uh, he is like tested whether to see he is uh, worthy of joining the Tenet program, which. 
I almost don't understand the point of that testing bit if he's recruiting himself. Yeah, it's so. Hmm. It's like does he te- does he do that every or like is that procedure every single time? Uh, does it is that or does you know he just I mean? need like, to wait until he has proof to pronounce him dead before he's able to take him into tenant? Mm. You know, because he's supposedly taking that cyanide pill. And uh, but it's not really it's not really a cyanide. But he pill. the the, the guy out. that wakes him up says like not everyone does that. It's like so how many people is the protagonist testing is he sort of indoctrinating yeah. many people into the organization or is he because if he recruited himself why would he bother wasting any more resources on other people you know what i mean well that's it looks like they're they're they build an army up at least by the end of the movie you get the idea that there's enough people that have been recruited that this is its own organization like a pretty decently sized organization so I think that, like, you know, he's he's doing this long enough that it's amassed enough an organization, but also that, you know, it's from the future. Like, a lot of those people are coming back in time from, uh, from the future world, whatever that case is, mm-hmm. into this present. Um, so this might sound really confusing to people because we're just kind of, like, in the middle of it, but tenet is would you call it a time travel movie like i don't know if it's a time traveling movie it's not a time travel movie it's a time manipulation movie there you go it's yeah it's but it it treats uh like time manipulation with um a sense like a a pretty scientific sensibility i would say like yeah uh, reverse entropy i would think so yes yeah reverse entropy the the idea of um and the conversion of energy and the reversal of the flow of energy. I think that's that's what yeah, I kind of took away from the it. Reversal of flow of energy. Entropy is yeah. the exchange of energy between particles. So anything that I do involves entropy, including tapping my desk, because that is a transfer of energy. Now, right. the sounds you hear are a consequence of that transfer of energy. And if I were to reverse the entropy, where I went, I could... Um, you would you would hear those sound waves in reverse because they'd actually be coming back. It's it's hard to really explain. You know what? It's it's so hard. You know what? Know what I'm gonna do? Watch this editing magic. That's it with regular entropy. That's it with reversed entropy. I'm I'm really excited to see if you go back I'm while editing to. this, remembering that you did that and and then reversing that. So I'm gonna be interested to see if that comes out. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but that's it. That's from our resident scientist. That's exactly what. Well, I'm, I failed to understand in the movie. <laughs> I'm a river ecologist. I don't, I don't know much about physics besides water velocity and discharge. But, mm-hmm. but I think that was a pretty good explanation from what I googled. That seemed uh, seemed yeah. apt. So the whole into, into into science. The whole <laughs> premise of the movie is some scientist in the future. Um, she cre she was sort of a um oh who's the guy that made the nuke? Who Oppenheimer? Yeah, he Robert Oppenheimer. It's sort of a it's sort of an Oppenheimer situation to where she discovers a way to reverse an object's entropy, and then not even that reverse the entire world's entropy, um, with a device called the algorithm, which is a which is a bomb like device 
that um, it's a is, device it's, that's like made out of nine pieces yeah. or nine components. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way they describe it is it's a one of a kind object. It cannot be replicated or like the inventor can't like she in the story uh, kills herself after creating the algorithm. Uh, this is in the future. And because of the implications of what it is and what it can do. And so she divides it up into nine pieces and disperses them throughout time, throughout the past, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's people in the future world, in the Earth of the future, who want to use the algorithm and its capabilities of reversing the world's entropy, not just objects, but if they are to reverse the world's entropy, uh, it would essentially create a clash with the past and would somehow wipe out the past. Yeah. Um, I, I guess this is kind of where suspension of disbelief or like just not being able to understand science. Cause like I, I that's what I didn't, I don't really get that. Right. Like before we could reverse an object's entropy. So that's what the, the future um, opposers to the grandfather paradox um, did when they recruited Sator. They sent a hyperchamber back in time through reversing the entropy of the hyperchamber, right? So if if you were to able to take, you know, let's say um, this pen, if I were to reverse its entropy, it would go back in time itself, right? And eventually if um, anything collides with it in the past, it'll just sort of, you know, it, it'll cause some sort of chaos or event. Um now imagine that on the world scale though with everything in it. Right. Right? Yeah. So this algorithm sort of acts as a bomb. It's 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 um an anagram, is that the right word? Anagram? It's an anagram for a nuke. Um do I know English? Anagram. Anagram, that's anagram is like some fucking no, 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 uh, no. cipher cipher shit. Never mind. It's not an anagram. It's it's some sort of metaphor for a nuke as it, as it would okay. in the Cold yeah. War right yeah if um we were to hypothetically during the cold war send a nuke over to europe it would be the end of the world because they would send retaliation um in this case it's sort of the same thing if you press this button and you send this nuke it's the end of the world same thing with the algorithm Mm -hmm. if you detonate the algorithm it's the end of the world because um they would reverse yeah. the entropy of the entire world which is uh, you know yeah. admittedly a genius concept and i sort of joked with you on the phone about this but it's like nolan walking into a boardroom whipping out his big dick and putting it on the desk he's like i want to make a movie about a cold war although it's not between russians and americans it's between yeah the future and the past and everyone's like whoa 400 million dollars dude <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So you want a Boeing seven seven seven? Yeah. There you go. What do you want to do with it? All right. I'll, I'll I'll write my whole script around that Boeing seven seven. Don't worry. All right. It'll be done. Um. Yeah. Yeah. If you see the movie, you'll know why the plane is such a big deal in that movie. It's but, um. So it's it's a crazy concept and um. Yeah, I think that's one of my favorite things about this movie is that the war, the Cold War that they're talking about, and the antagonists, the true antagonists are human beings regular human beings of the future who said fuck you guys human beings of the past you've 
ruined our world. Right. You've dried up our lakes and oceans and polluted us enough that, you know, us humans in the future have said, you know, fuck it. Which let's, kind let's of, kill the grandpa. Which kind of dilutes it for me because I thought. Well, hold on. I'll, I'll say this first. I think I think it's I think it's one of those things, though, that is pretty smart because it's it's a reasonable excuse or it's not a reasonable excuse, but it's a well heard excuse. How many times nowadays do you say, ah, well, the old, the fucking past generation fucked it up for us today. That's why we're in the problem we are in today. You know, that's, right. that's the oldest story. That's the oldest story told. It's, ah, the, the failures of our, you know, mom and dad or the the past generation and how they fucked up is the reason the world is today. And so this movie takes that whole idea, that whole excuse and really cranks it to the point where you, you could be like yeah this could happen this could be a case yeah. where yeah it, you no, know it it's really sci-fi and it's really though. out there but because, why is that well if you have the technological is, capabilities of being able to send objects back in time you think you'd have the technological capabilities of removing carbon out of the atmosphere mm. <laughs> so it's like that's that's what they don't want you to think too much about logistics and stuff like that about the movie. yeah like, like you're probably right if they can reverse the entropy of anything then why wouldn't they just reverse the lake why would not they just reverse the entropy of the atmosphere and revert it back to pre-industrial evolutionary i don't know who knows i, I don't know. this is me thinking too much about it but it's also me going like you know climate change is sort of a that's, cop out in hollywood right now and it's that's the thing also with a complicated movie like this it's it's going to be it's so layered and kind of crisscrossing over each other that uh, like we're going to inevitably people are going to find like loose ends or whatever. Like that's what we're looking for. We're looking for where the slip is or where things kind of can fall apart. But he works hard to make sure there's not a thing like that, even though I'm sure there is. Uh, yeah, it's it's a little I don't know. It's a little weird. I was like. I also set myself up for disappointment because it's like, oh my god, that's a really cool concept. What are the people's motivations of the future as to why they're wanting to do this? And then it's just, oh, it's climate change. Okay, well, that makes no sense to me. It makes sense. I mean, it makes sense to me, though. It makes sense to me. Think about it. It's like the people of today fuck the world up. Like, say we haven't done anything specifically yet. You know, the, the, the world ending thing hasn't happened yet, but our actions of it, of today, cause it tomorrow. You know, the, the people of tomorrow are going to be pissed. They're going to say, well, why weren't those people that knew what they were doing was fucking us up? Why did they actually do it? Why did they go through with that? Right. So it's not it's not too far off the the the, the diving board for me. In fact, like when I heard that, when I was when I found out, like, this is what it's all about. It, it made it more believable for me, in fact, like that this is actually what a Cold War in this dimension or in this, sorry, uh, kind of conflict, it, it would probably be something like this. But I'm interested to see how it worked the other way for you, though. It's like, I uh, it, I just feel as though like, um, like you said, like we've had in conversations past, like you can date movies based on the antagonists or the motivations of the antagonists whereas you know you go to the early to mid 2000s and most movies involve terrorist or terrorist plots with a with a single bad guy yeah. that they have to eliminate um and and shit like that 
as one example. It's mm-hmm. like I feel like this is just gonna date this movie because um the issue of climate change is sort of a cop out so much in Hollywood right now that even the new Predator movie used it. And don't even get me started on that because that's ridiculous. And it's just like it's a little cliche now in my mind. And it's like I was really looking forward to some sort of deeper conflict between the future and the past. And um, for it to be that, which makes no which is disappointing to me from a story standpoint and makes no logical sense in terms of, you know, how I understand the world to be. It brought me out because Mm -hmm. there's no point in you solving time travel, but not being able to use technology to fix climate change like we already are starting to implement now. So it's See, I, I think I think that's kind of answered by the film itself, though. And now the more I think about it is because uh, and see, I don't know how much I see it as a cop out. I think you're right. Like it's used a lot nowadays, the same way terrorism as the main antagonist was used in uh, like, you know, before the 2010s and the early to late 2000s, all that. And it's just it's a reflection of one like our times, the world we live in today as films always will be and always are a reflection of the world we live in. And um, I think one of the key points that this film kind of talks about and ideas it brings forward is that even our greatest technological evolutions in- innovations and all that will not stop nature. It won't, st- it, it, nature will always win. Like that's Neil says that like in the movie, like, um, the reason, you know, the whole explosion thing would happen is because if the entropy of the world is flowing backwards, it's going against nature, which is flowing forwards. So that causes the causes the conflict, causes the clash. So it's really clearly kind of stated or I don't know, maybe not clear enough. Uh, for me, it was like for me, the idea I got was uh, it, nature trumps all, you know, the we can't go against the environment like you're right. Like this is. I think thematically at its core, it's like a movie maybe about the environment or like mother nature and in, in, in those kind of uh, thematic senses. And, and so like the idea that, you know, even our greatest technologies won't solve nature's problems, like the, the, how badly we damage nature, like we might put a bandaid over it, but you know, it'll throw another curveball back at us. And I think that's illustrated through the whole conflict of this movie is like the humans of the future who are trying to simply, you know, do this thing of reversing time like they don't know how that's going to work out for them their whole belief is based on the grandfather paradox right that's one theory then and it's only just a theory um there's other theories that characters in the film proposes it could be parallel worlds it could be you know same timeline different timeline whatever that's the thing nobody knows for certain and this is just the ignorance of humans i guess that it's showing it's like oh as humans of the future, we're so great that we can think we can just wipe out the humans of the past and we won't bear the consequences. Of it's that, an extremist right? faction in the so, future though. The what? It's an extremist faction of the future. It's, it's not right. It, yeah. It's not everybody in the future. You're, you're right. It's, it's one part of that. Right. And uh, it's that yeah. part that devises the plan to, um, send the hyperchamber with the gold and the plutonium back in time to Sator with a, a young Sator, a young Sator yeah. with a set of instructions on what to do. 
Um, yeah. So they recruit Sator at a very young age with the, you know, because he was essentially, like they say, at the right place at the right time, at the right place at the right time, which was uh, at the fall of the Soviet Union and when all these hidden cities that I never knew existed at like in a real life terms. Like we talked about this on, on the phone after we watched the movie and I asked you, did you know this was like a real life thing? Like this is hidden Russian cities with like wildly huge populations that, that were, what, what do they say in it? They were like kind of, um, they were designated for a certain task or carried out to perform certain tasks in society, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so you'd have these large predetermined cities and they would eventually fail as, um, you know, well-documented. Um, and then the Russians would use the cities for certain experimental sites. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you have so these, another thing where, yeah, you have, a, Sorry, no, you have on, giant I'll... abandoned buildings within Russia that are just yeah. unused. Um, well, towns, whole, whole, whole towns, towns, but like those are starting to get repopulated now. And, um, but people yeah, yeah. like rich Russians are now just owning these abandoned buildings and just turning them into single houses, which is yeah. fucked. But yeah, that's. Well, so that's a cool thing I learned in this movie that I had no prior history on i don't know about if i don't know Ooh, there goes her video i don't know if you were like informed on that before or, or what but this was like cool exposure for me in that way i was slightly just informed learning, on it uh, because it's a, it's a good it's a plot line with a good amount of context that is interesting enough you know yeah that could make its own movie potentially and it's just one plot line in this movie uh and and this movie is filled with that but yeah anyways going going on so he is like chosen out of from the future, essentially, to be the hand of destruction that's going to wipe out the past and, and carry the future forward. So so Sator has this sort of god complex in uh, his character, right? He he sees himself as a god. He sees the fate of the world in his hands and sees himself as a big man for that, essentially. Yeah, god complex, which is really sort of nailed on the head there at the end. Um yeah, pretty hard. When he says, "I'm a god." Yeah. So, um, <laughs> he he actually is a. I wouldn't I wouldn't say interesting character, but he um, he's a little more nuanced than most of the characters in this movie. So it was nice to to see that. I thought he was gonna be a pretty cliche villain, which like almost would have disappointed me. Like, yeah, no, it would have disappointed me uh, if he ended up just being like you know Russian villain, but the like. I don't know if it was a performance or what, but I I really liked I really liked him. I think seeing him when he's standing uh, near Cat, uh, and seeing like how much shorter he was than her, like in real life, but how much power he imposed on her, like was uh, you you're right when you say like there's a real fear when you see him on screen, or like there's like a you are worried uh, about his character in that way. No, um, he's definitely very fearful that I I put that towards the actor um his performance yeah, is, is yeah, great sure. um but in terms of like it, it sort of does a a mini twist throughout the movie where you think his motivations um revolve around money and power um when in reality money and power were a consequence of him following the actions of the people of the future um and his motivations sort of run deeper where he's 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 basically a sleeper agent yeah um uh akin to the cold warrior again um well that's yeah again yeah this is a big cold war film and uh 
Yeah. Someone had, he, someone yeah, indoctrinated exactly. into the philosophies of the enemy opposing you in the Cold War is now residing within your home country, aka exactly. your home timeline. So him sort and they, of res- and they verbally call him a traitor in that sense yeah. too, like oh you're a traitor to our time, to our people, exactly. You know, so um, and it's and it goes, you know, it, it does answer that eventually. It's like why would this guy within the present want to potentially destroy yeah. all there is in the past? And it's like, well, he does have this God complex. He does, you know, growing up and sort of learning to have everything handed to him. Um, literally, literally, like he was everything, given- every, literally everything was given to him. And he, and, he, and he worked with the plan they had in mind and he worked hard. to. But he worked. He was a tool of their design. He was always intended to be used, like still became a Russian oligarch, still became a billionaire, but was always used for somebody else's purpose in that way. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I, I think another thing interesting about his character is the idea, right, that he knows he's going to die. He knows the circumstances of his death. And and so his whole philosophy being that when and even when it comes to his wife, right, him and his wife have cat have a, a very uh, conflicting relationship and his whole thing with her is if I can't have you then nobody is allowed to have you nobody can have you is really uh, dominating and, and um, like takes ownership and sees things as property or whatever things like that mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and that's like reflected on his view of the world and you know like he's his whole thing is like if I can't live in this world then nobody can live in this world right like that's why he's so willing to to be the be the bomb guy essentially yeah. like and he says his biggest sin is knowingly bringing a son into a doomed world. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. Like, I don't know if that was like just kind of like a witty sarcasm from his side or like, was that like a real side of humanity knowing like, yeah, that is somewhere where I'm knowingly a bad well, person. Well, he did have some but real that... humanity, which was shown on the vacation to where like. Sure. Yeah. He was generally happy at one point. And he even comes back, right? Like when at the end he comes back to apologize. Well, that's and, actually and that even surprised. That's me. actually not the same Sator. Say that again. That's not the same well, Sator. No, but that is that's the pat. That's the Sator of the future. The like the present. Yeah, the future technically coming back to the past. Yeah, exactly. Oh wow! God damn. Right. So. Oh no, you're right. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm seeing the Sator of yeah. that timeline leaves in the helicopter angry yeah he leaves angry he leaves angry yeah. and the and the sator from the future comes back to that moment in history to die at some point where he was actually happy um, right right no yeah you cleared it up yeah so that's the future sator so he only comes back yeah. to apologize as a means to sort of mend the t- kind of like mend the timeline and make his last few moments enjoyable yeah yeah interesting ways to show his humanity he's not just a cliche bad guy in that way like he he has moments of reflection in the movie where you see like the you know the workings of a person in this kind of a situation i think uh yeah i don't know how much more there's to say like he's an interesting villain really interesting villain surprisingly uh, so yeah, I don't presented know, yeah. as a shallow villain but slowly throughout right. i think it's a nice slow burn um yeah, just the idea, I think, of, you know, this movie tackles, I think, one of the themes it tackles is destiny. If not, it's one of the biggest things it tackles, a person's destiny. Like, what is your destiny? And so, Sator, when he is younger in Russia, and, and he's, 
finds his destiny out like you know pretty clearly what his destiny will be at a at a young age and that informs his entire life right so when we see the scene where he opens the hyper capsule up and and there's a piece of paper in there that says his name on it and gold bars right so my whole theory or my whole thought about what that piece of paper would have said is it's a message from the future and it and as a message has to convince him to join their side and and leave the earth that he lives on or the, sorry his time and his people behind so what i think it would have said is like essentially would have mapped out his entire life before him and would have at the end had the exact circumstances of his death being the end uh but you you know like would it would it would be his destiny in front of him and and he saw that and at that point he's probably you know, like they said, being at the right place at the right time, or maybe that's the type of guy he was. He took the call to like kill that guy in front of him, and 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 it was a pretty split second decision, right? Like it wasn't, it was, it didn't seem like it was a long thought for him. He was like, oh, here's this gold bar, like yeah, I'm I'm in. Yeah, well, think right? of the circumstances of what, of what he's in. He's in post Soviet collapse Russia, where anyone's trying to get a foothold in anything because um, your world around you is just collapsing. So. Um, given the opportunity to to have that amount of wealth within a rebuilding and Russia power and, and power yeah, within and, a re- and that understanding of power, um, it's no surprise that he would leap at it, considering the the circumstance of what of what he was in. Um, yeah, you know, Ru- Russia is sort of a weird country in that way, where ruthlessness is still a widely accepted thing um even today with with the russian mob running wild and um i'm trying to think of when a young sator would be because if he was in the 90s then you know that's when the real russian mob was running away so um well i'm thinking the end of the soviet union which is the 80s right was that the 90s? Uh, I think it was... Late 80s, early 90s? Yeah. Something like um, 90s, I'd say, because uh, that's when the Berlin Wall fell, which was yeah. the big... Sim- yeah, 91. Yeah. Christmas 91. Yeah. That's crazy. So, yeah. So, that, that if you're trying to date it, that would be probably around the time that event took place. So, um, yeah. It's just, uh, you know, his character makes sense to me. Which is yeah. which is nice, which is more than I can say for the protagonist, which I was a little iffy on. Um, I thought John David Washington did a good, a good job of what he had to work with. Um, I think he's amazing at action scenes. Uh, for one, oh yeah, he he put in definitely the, one of yeah he put in the work for the action scenes for sure. Yeah, um, but in terms of Nolan's decision to sort of keep the protagonist a sort of non-character. And, um, you know, I, I thought there was some thought behind that, that this person that ends up having these uh, unlimited powers and this, you know, instead of the villain with the godlike complex becoming the godlike figure, you have this, this nameless, faceless, um, emphasis on the nameless character take up the mantle of of a godly figure. Mm-hmm. 
it's interesting. It's because I and I think to the point of what you're saying, where you know he's not as much as a person as uh, as you know uh, as any other named protagonist in a movie, right? Like his his characteristics are broader in a sense. I would I would disagree with you, or I, not necessarily disagree. I, I think I would. Uh, I would say that he does have characteristics or, or you know defining character traits, but they don't act specifically to you know personify him as a, as a as a specific individual. I think in in this context of the film and this story, he is really supposed to act as as a kind of iconographic figure, like more of an more of a symbol, more of like somebody who represents an idea or that type of a hero right like in, a, in more of in a classical sense a hero um and so that's why his name in the story is the protagonist like he's not a john or a riley or a sam like he's just the protagonist that's it and we know he's the hero from really early on in the movie a couple of things that give that away he's not gonna turn on his team he you know he cares about his teammates getting out alive um cares about the mission getting accomplished and successful uh and he also wants to save he wants to save people and do it the right way. Uh, so these kind of small character bits are given to you, and that's about it. And and that informs his decision making throughout the movie. And that's that's really all the filmmakers want to give you. Essentially, you yeah. know, we don't get a history on this guy. We don't get a love life on this guy. A romance is nothing. Things are hinted at, kind of like you know. There's, uh, I think that's just to the credit of the actor. Like he's just. John uh, John David Washington is just a really brilliant actor and uh, charismatic lead action hero. So I think he just he pumps in a lot of life into a otherwise what could be a pretty classical what like tamed character and and I think that's that's just an intended for this movie not not to a fault I don't know maybe for you it's to a fault maybe you wanted more out of it or something I'm almost like content with the hero figure you know it's 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 a hero in that kind of way uh i was hoping that considering how confusing the plot is um how mind-bending the general idea of reverse entropy is that the protagonist would be someone who i could sort of grab onto the shoulder of and and learn with but um it doesn't really take time with him to learn um no yeah i agree with you on that so i was a little dis- you, you are you are kind of guided with him he is the character that brings you into the world uh but yeah it just it doesn't really give you enough time yeah in that yeah way. really like they hint at at the beginning of him like sort of learning to um, with reverse entropy objects sort of feel it and and have some room for improvement there but generally his grasp on reverse entropy just sort of like comes naturally to him which i found was a little jarring. Well, as he says yeah as he says oh it's in it's basically an instinct yeah uh, kind of a th- instinctually comes across right and which is I guess fine narratively, but like in terms of helping the audience along, I wish there was yeah. more of a learning curve with the character, and therefore I couldn't get attached. No, I feel to you. you. So you, as an audience, you can feel like you're learning about the rules of the world and and all of this new entropy stuff with the character, with the which character. not only yeah. helps me understand the world better, but for sure allows me to understands all these concepts yeah, better too. Allows me to 
grasp on and and sympathize with the character as well um yeah i think i think that correlates or just kind of like that's one of my main flaws with this is like how in those moments or in those scenes like what you just said where i like i find it the same kind of issues and think those are really crucial moments where we could learn about this kind of rather than ham-fisting exposition or, or just kind of like through dialogue which great dialogue scenes don't get me wrong great scenes but from a visual standpoint but from i mean like really getting to test the waters with this character and that would have been something uh a way to learn just by making those mistakes and kind of you know but it's it's another one of those things like without without really getting into the details of explaining it then you're gonna be going over so many people's heads with what's going on right like i think they needed those clear-cut verbal uh uh, explanations like te- school lesson scenes you know when he's in he's talking to the girl in the lab coat and she's just explaining everything to him like i th- without those like i don't know how much people would understand what's going on too yeah it's it's tricky um i just wish i was th- there or had a character to attach to to learn through the process you know what i mean um mm-hmm. there are characters i do get attached to one of them being Cat, but Cat never really experiences or has to utilize the tool that much um, compared to the protagonist. And um, I feel as though that this world that Nolan created could have used some sort of guide to help to help me through. Um, and I felt yeah, like it was like a missed opportunity with, with him. Yeah, that, it's almost become a meme uh, when people like look at Inception and there's the Ellen Page character, which is literally just Ellen Page in the world of Inception so that the audience can understand the world of Inception better. Uh, it's basically that, right? Like this movie, uh, it, it doesn't have a clear cut that uh, character. No. It, it's more so it's more so just expecting you to keep up with the, the characters who are like completely embedded in the world and are moving fast with it. And it expects you to keep up with that. Um, but yeah, with the character of Cat, like you were just saying, it's it it that's the anchor of the humanity of the film, right? That's all hopes of humanity ride on her, right? And she's like one of, of the own, only like, um, I don't know. I guess characters in the film, you know what I mean? It's it's mm. uh, rather than being some sort of symbol or some sort of icon or some sort of character, it's like she's an actual human being with flaws and and she learns to um for sure for sure she's the most she's the least like movie action movie character like she's like a real like uh like mom and a woman and a wife like you know and all the problems and kind of issues that that has like she carries those she has a clear goal you're rooting for her you're meant to root for her yeah she has a clear goal there's a clear obstacle within that goal and the way she overcomes that betters herself and then she gets rewarded with what her end goal was supposed to be yeah with, with really like pretty traditional arc as far as arcs and stuff like right that. and it but, was just so nice to have some normalcy within this yeah. movie like that and um yeah you know for sure so glad that the cat character was there and um it's definitely a side of normalcy or like just kind of like keeping that foot close to shore like you know like just not drifting too far away into high concept like too high concept territory like we're already in the highest of high concepts but uh yeah cat's character is definitely a grounding figure and and a character that you can root for 
Uh, I want to talk about Neil for a second. He's probably for me the most interesting character in the movie. Uh, what about he? I'm trying to think about it. He, because in my first viewing of him, like I thought I had him figured out from like when I first saw him, and you know, uh, like thinking this is what his character represents and what he's what he's about and i i think the more we talked about i think you brought up one the theory of him being the son cat's son Mm -hmm. oh Um, man but oh man okay hold on before hold your thought um sure so this this whole movie is big on tenet because tenet is a word that you can spell forwards and backwards um yeah then there's other words throughout the the movie that's used like opera uh, sorry opera opera um with the reverse sator yeah um sator and whatnot um rotas rotas yeah. yeah um so if you take cat's son's name which is maximilian oh yeah i know yeah i saw the same video yeah before. but go on and explain it for if everybody. you take cat's son's name which is maximilian reverse it you'd get right or whatever but if you yeah. made the short, <laughs> good, film, good. Just say it again and get you to reverse it at the end. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Maximilian. <laughs> so if you take Maximilian and you reverse it to, no, you name is Cam. Ah, nice editing. Nice. Hopefully, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> then the short, the short form for that name, reverse name, would be Neil. Yeah. Which makes sense because... Which is Robert Pattinson's name in the movie, yeah. which is fucking not a coincidence, I don't no, think. No, because... I don't think there are any coincidences For him in this to movie. go back in time, he'd have to reverse his entropy and then re-reverse his entropy when he was back in the time he was supposed to be in. So... Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that has to be on purpose, man. I don't know. Neil Neil's character has to be Cat's son. Yeah, I think so too. I think, and it's just, and it's given through subtleties, like all subtleties. And in my second viewing, I was paying really close attention to it. There's one moment where I thought, no, no way, because he's basically saying like, uh, like one, you know, in the moment, like when they're trying to save her life and, and bring her back to, through the machine, like the whole plane sequence, the second plane sequence and all that. There's like moments you see like he is really like willing to save her life, but then there's others where he's like kind of brushing it off the shoulder. So it it's I don't know it's well it's played off in both ways. It's played off for you to think it, but it's played off for you to also sideline it and think nah I don't know you know yeah. But I definitely think it's it's a conscious uh conscious on the filmmakers because Neil as a character is like the most spy character like this is a movie about spies and espionage he's the most espionage spy like character in the movie and he's the guy with like bare like all the connects like all the connections to to the uh like you know he got the plane guy he's got the the um the bungee <laughs> setup like i don't know what i'm saying but he's he's like the spy guy and with through him we learn the bigger world of tenant like the bigger uh the organization of what it is we learn you know we really get into what this world is which is i think one of the really most interesting parts uh, like like what we got into with the cold war aspect of the future humans uh, against the uh, other future humans also kind of participating in that 
And this whole idea of kind of the protagonist who recruits Neil, who then recruits the protagonist, like, I don't know. It's just the more I think about it and the more I watch it and I, I, I get I get so drawn into that and like the possibilities like there's another like this this movie can be a franchise starter, which I know it probably won't be. I don't think Chris Nolan will like I hope he does, though. Like, I hope this is a movie that the world is returned to. You know what I mean? Like, it has that potential where you could get back into any point of it, any point of the world or any story, but it has that kind of potential. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of want this thing to to be its own thing. Um, Oh, no, it for sure will. It's not going to... I'm not saying it will be a franchise. And I'm not saying... I I almost want his movies to be as they are too, but I'm saying by the ending, like with what you're, you're... You're left thinking of the potentialities of like future stories, you know? You're left thinking about... Uh, this world in in a weird. You know way. what I was left thinking about? It's sort of um, only only the story that just happened because technically the end of that movie is the start of it. Yes, yes. If you know what I mean, exactly. So it's yeah, and that 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 makes me think like, well, what else is there? Like, the, right? Because this is a cold war. There must be more battles or like more kind of more shit going on. Right? Like this is the beginning of the Cold War, so this is just the beginning, right? So like it just makes you think of what the fuck is. No, I what, think what it, I still think potential. it's the end though, because it's like he knows what he has to do now, and it's like you're just you're just witnessing. But it's not right because by the end of it, we understand like okay, this is what he does. Like he's gonna start this group up. Like from now, he's no longer just a regular spy. He's committed to ensuring the world doesn't blow up. Yeah, or, or you know the world is maintained in this order right which is the thing though so, it's like this is what we've witnessed is just a splice in history that is a continuous loop yeah right and we're just witnessing yeah. uh um uh, a first go round within that loop or i guess it could have been that but that, it's not it's not a first go round now we talked about this yeah that could have been we talked about this the you know hypothetical Two million eight hundred and seventy-six thousand three hundred and forty-eight. Well, yeah. it, I think it is because this is at the end of the movie. Neil says, "Oh, it's time to close." Uh, fuck, what do you say? It's like time to close another ch- chapter of a story in the fabric of something. Like he says something kind of weird along those lines. Where, oh yeah, he said time to like finish another battle in the fabric of time. Something along those lines, uh, which like. He's basically saying, like, I've fought this fight so many times, it's time to end this fight, or something like that. Well, yeah, hypo- like, you not know? him himself, but theoretically, himself. Like, it's not him, yeah. it's not that character, it's just that when he continues the timeline, when the protagonist continues the timeline, Neil will eventually get then re- he's, recruited and sent back to... Yeah, yeah. yeah, then it's like the beginning of Neil's, like, at that point, it's like the beginning, but right now it's the end for him so it's yeah it's it's cyclical in that way right like it's like it's in a way the movie is a sequel to itself it's so confusing in a way yeah in a way it's like such a it's such a contained it's contained like it has all of those pieces beginning middle like oh man what are we talking about like this movie is just gonna break my brain the more i try and talk about it it's literally this one aspect in history that is a continuous time loop that will happen infinite amount of times um and every time they will stop the algorithm from going off, otherwise there would be no story. 
Yeah. So essentially, like, yeah, let's let's get into like the consequences of like what does all this mean? Like, do you believe in destiny? Do you believe like in in that we all have a destiny? There's a a there's a a place or a time and place that we all must be in at a given time, like stuff like that. Not really, no. But this sort of brings a scientific approach to that in in the terms of yes within this loop things are predetermined and people are setting up things to be um to act out and how they already did and in there yeah like i love that you said it like that too it's like a scientific approach at trying to explain destiny and i think that's like as humans as far as we've come to try and understand what something like destiny is or trying to visualize that like this might be the closest we've gotten to try and get that like yeah. and as far you as know, you some know, of the Sid, concepts as far as you know as far as we know yet yeah as far as for you know sure. a sit in the future could have had his entropy reversed <laughs> and is um currently shadowing your life making sure certain events happen in the way they're yeah. supposed to happen but he's not allowed to interact with you yeah i mean god damn that that there's there's your sequel right there fuck it's an interesting idea. I'm just, I'm just saying, um, you know, it brings in that concept of, well, actually, hypothetically, that is a possibility that yeah, someone within this world has his entropy reversed and is able to sort of move throughout time and shadow himself, making sure not to interact. Otherwise, well, that's how they would disappear. Yeah, that's how I feel when I get too high and I start to having get myself to calm myself down i'm like this is me from the future who's actually coming to the past so i calm the fuck down and don't trip out that sounds like yeah, that's how i feel when that I'm would just make me panic even 10 times more no i'm not even joking though that's like one time i was tripping out pretty bad and like not to get into a weird trip out story but i was like laying down in bed and i had this like warm comforting feeling that i was hugging myself okay if that makes sense like so yeah just basically kind of what you said okay but yeah like that that idea (laughs) weird transition into a trippy story but that idea holds true it's like you're your own guardian angel and your your whole thing is about making like you have a destiny essentially like everybody has a destiny it's not there's no one way about it there's no linear way of thinking like there is cause and effect okay cause leads into effect as we all understand but each stand independently of each other at the same time yes and, absolutely yeah. and um uh I, li- I like robert pattinson's uh, sorry neil's lines throughout the movie where he just goes you know what happens happened or, mm-hmm. um and, and, and it really is it really is just lines. as simple as that it's like things that have happened that have happened need to happen and and he needs to carry out his duty which was probably my favorite scene in the movie of of him walking off and realizing this is this is the end of this is the end of a friendship for me but the beginning of one for you and i'm just gonna go and do my duty um well here's yeah here's why he's one of my favorite characters now it's because in that scene in that interaction john david uh, the protagonist right he's crying and and for a second you're like well why are you even crying like you guys just became boys but he's crying because of the implications of what this is and he's understanding uh he just understands the situation better and and neil is like he's going away with a smile on his face right like he's so content with life like 
for him it's mission accomplished i know i've done exactly what i've had to do and for you you're about to start life good for you now right like it's it shows like a difference in the character like in it in a big way almost that uh it's like i don't want to say like it shows maturity kind of like it shows it shows where these guys are coming from and like their understanding about life and death right like neil isn't like sad that he's about to go die now that he knows that he has to for to save his friend and he also knows this isn't the end of the journey like for him or his friend like no it's a i don't know it's literally never ending story it's literally a never-ending story. It's literally a temporal pincher loop, which is one of the coolest things I've ever heard of that this movie introduces. And it's it's destiny. It's it's the same event that has to keep happening because the event that they're trying to, you know, that that is that has to happen or that the events have to take place so that it doesn't happen is the end of the world, right? So, like, they the world always has to be going. So they always have to stop the end of the world like that's that's just brilliant right like that's just oh yes absolutely. did i did i butcher it or did i try and make clear sense of it? i don't know I you're don't talking know. in loops but that's kind of the point of the movie yeah i i think there's that's there's no clear way to get around it but this movie will bust you trying to for you to try to kind of come up with some logistics or logistical understanding there's one thing i I still don't understand and maybe you could with your second viewing um that telephone that the protagonist gives cat what the like how the fuck does that thing work dude i was thinking about that today too and i was talking about that with my parents that breaks the whole movie i think yeah because that's well i think like they don't explain it no they don't Right, like so, there's just a magic telephone that can people can talk to each other from the past and the future, essentially. I guess because like Sator from Sator, oh fuck, Sator, future Sator talks to past protagonist when he shot Cat with that reverse entropy bullet. Yes, yes. Right, so there's some sort of um, hyper chamber translator oh that you know what i mean yeah like it, it ha- yeah yeah yeah. it's it's specific yeah like in that situation also there's like a specific thing going on there where it's it's like it's translating it live though it's almost like google translates going off in the room right like but they're not actually in that situation together like it's that that's that's a really good observation in something yeah and, and also at the end right um when when future sator is on the phone like on the boat right he's there on the yacht and he's on the phone with the protagonist who is uh like he's behind the the fence and and in front of him the the algorithm is about to be set off you remember that like right at the end yes and and he's just saying like yeah like uh it's like it's like the the villain's final speech and right before neil comes in and, and saves the day um how is that happening? How is how are they having that conversation? Because the yacht scene that takes place more in the past, where the scene, like the the battle, is happening in the future in in context to the yacht. No, no, it's simultaneous. It's it's simultaneous. No, that's that's no, the no, whole but reason it, why they had the the battle there. That say to no, but you see, it's there. it's edited. It's edited for you to think it's simultaneously. But if you like, when I was paying attention to the dialogue when they were on. Uh, before before they took off for battle and they're on the boat and like the last lines of dialogue that 
Cat has with the protagonist. And the protagonist says, so you'll keep going back. I'm going to get off here. We're in Ukraine. I'm going to get off here. You keep going back, travel another day or two back in the past and go to Vietnam, go to the yacht. So he gets off there, but she keeps, she's still going in reverse. She's still reversing a day or two more days. It doesn't make any sense because his, the whole thing, the algorithm is linked to a, um, a heart trigger on him. And when his heart stops, that's when the algorithm goes off. Yeah. Yeah. So is that what it is? Yeah. So I think it is simultaneous and, and that's the whole reason for the big battle at the end is because like at this moment no. in Sator's life is when he wants to activate the algorithm. So here's a battle at that point and it's off the coast. See, I think I, I, I think our understanding this might be a little different because I don't, I don't know which one It's like the movie is so confusing. I don't know who's right here about it. Uh, maybe just more Googling or something. Yeah. It was a dead man's trigger. That's the why situation. they didn't want Kat to kill Sator. Is because it is, it's a dead man's trigger, but this is, I don't think the trigger in his heart thing was a bomb trigger. I think from what I understood was it was an email send off. Like it was a trigger to send off an email that would have the exact coordinates for where the, uh, where the bomb is. Right. Cause oh. I don't think, because from my understanding, like, this is so confusing, but the bomb wasn't actually going to go off in that time. Like, what they were trying to do was bury the bomb. Like, first, build the bomb together because all the pieces were spread out in the past. So, they accomplished that. They build the they build the algorithm together. Oh. And then they, they there's, like, a giant hole in the ground, right? They're putting things down in that hole. And they wanted to explode the area around them to uh, to clear that hole. That's why there's the explosion at the end, and and Neil pulls the two out of the uh, out of the. Oh, hole, it's a time capsule. Right? It was a time capsule. It's a time capsule, and and so the the bomb trigger in his heart would give off the location of that time capsule. That's what I thought, or I understood. It wasn't it wasn't a le- oh, legit bomb trigger, but it was a. Uh, uh, that makes more sense now. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Fuck. That's just that's what I that because I think it, like that's what I kind of picked up onto in this viewing was that and like an email was gonna go off and it would be something like along those lines and the bomb wasn't supposed to go off in that time it was it was it's to be activated in the future and like they would find it and activate it and do all that something like that I think yeah yeah holy yeah the movie requires possibly a third viewing now um yeah no shit. Hold on, I'm just checking if they're playing it in Waterloo. Oh, well. Okay. Yeah, damn. I don't know. It's um, still still confusing to me. Um, it, it, it's all the more confusing now, man. Like, it, it's, yeah, this gonna, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is going to take, oh, it's not going to be after a week or two, like, that people f- figure this shit out. Yeah, like I still don't. I don't understand you know, like the this. ending or how he has the capabilities of doing what he did there, of just like anime protagonist teleport behind teleport behind you, nothing personal, kid. You know, you know, like how was he able to get into the car? Like, oh, you see him walk into the car. He walks into the. Car. Oh, I don't even. Oh, I didn't even see that. I thought. I thought. Yeah, yeah. No. I thought cat. <laughs> called and then he just teleported behind he's them. in the car yeah yeah 
<laughs> yeah, I it kind of because it kind of like gets ultra spy in that mode, right? Like he's just already in the car. Like not, nah, I, I I'm pretty sure like he's he shoots the guy while he's opening the door. Like he shoots the guy in the passenger seats and then gets in the car. Right. Like he was already there because like I understand that the, the basic and, concept and, behind the phone is that Cat yeah, just says yeah. when and where. Um. So is that is that a time traveling phone too? Yeah. So it seems as though that's a time traveling phone to the protagonist who can't interact with her anymore. Yeah. Um, so whenever she calls, when and where, when she thinks he's in danger, he has now the capabilities of um, assessing that area, that time, that spot, and that place. Um. Um, finding the threat and then being able to take it out again. I don't know. With, that with, sounds with, like something right out of the spy handbook. W- yeah, w- but like he might be in one timeline, get a call from her, and then he is able to reverse himself for a couple years or however long it takes, come to this area. Oh, man. It just seems like that's another thing that I scratch my head thinking about. Because that's future is, protagonist there. Future protagonist is uh, just there yeah. tying up loose ends after he completed his. But how much into the future? I don't know how much. I don't think it's that long into the future. I think that's like still relatively uh, present day protagonist kind of a thing. Like that's that's him tying up the loose ends after he successfully saved the world. Oh man! Right? Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, and, and here's another thing. Here's another thing. Like this is gonna like just illustrate what kind of theories we have like on on the the, the time travel and like the the worlds thing. Like because they 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 throw out these things out there like parallel worlds or uh right like all these kind of different ideas of what's going on. And and I I like how there's not one answer. There's different theories. That's all it is. Is because it's human of the present day. Like they don't know shit. They're just figuring out too. So. All they have is theory. So I, I want to ask, what is your theory about this whole time travel thing? Do you think that it's all one world? This is all like the the, the scientific uh, explanation is entropy. Uh, like things are moving backwards individually. And, and that's about it. It's still the same world. Or do you think that like say they um, say the people of the future successfully detonate the algorithm and they wipe out the people of the past like would would that have a cause and effect for the people of the future uh like what is your theory behind that so i'm when you a watch this? general believer in the multiple worlds theory which dictates that any choice made splits the timeline so yeah i have kind of like how avengers end yes. how, how they show time yeah i have the choice to either drop this pen or keep this pen in my hand I chose to keep it in my hand. I don't know which podcast or which version of the podcast these listeners are getting, but it's definitely the one with me not dropping the pen. But there's a version out there of me dropping the pen and yeah. still having this exact same conversation about it. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I generally believe in that, except... Um, instead of this movie taking place on multiple branches of that sort of ever-expanding time tree, if you know what I mean, how every decision yeah. makes a split and it's another branch, 
and then each branch, each decision down that branch makes another split. Yeah. If you could view one of those branches as, as a straight line, I think this area of time, starting with Sator discovering the hyper chamber and ending with the protagonist um, sealing away the or or taking away the the pieces of the algorithm, you can sort of view that as a straight line, except it folds in on itself and it sort of is separate from the rest of the tree. To where this is just a paradoxical time loop, and not necessarily. Um, uh, a branch on the on the uh, on the tree. It is a paradox. It, it definitely is a paradox. Uh, yeah, I, I almost I, that's like my general belief too. I, I think that you know the timelines will split or like that that each choice concurs a different outcome or like a different possibility, a different world essentially. Uh, and and something I hadn't considered was what this film showed which is that it's actually all the same earth it's the same time the same world essentially timeline but everybody can operate independently within that timeline meaning the flow of my time doesn't and and if i change the flow of my time it doesn't have to change the outcome or the effects of what the world will be like i'm just I'm still an independent thing, you know, like I, I was talking to this about my dad and I said like, you, you know, you watch this movie and you, you're going to watch it linearly and try and follow it along linearly and you almost can't do it like that or you can't successfully get through it like that. You have to try and think of it. It's not like you can't process all this information linearly, like at least I couldn't like I had to try and think of it. Okay, like things are happening all at the same time, right? Like time how we perceive it moves forward right and they even said this even film say showed in us the movie like stop thinking literally when when the protagonist goes back in time to talk to exactly that lady who yeah. he had previously already talked to that day but that was the past version of himself right yeah it, it yeah. forces you to think non-linearly which i wish we had more of it in the film but yeah continue on your on your point on yeah it, it makes you think like that and it, and it visualizes that for you and and what the scene that I'm talking about, because I I had to try and explain this to somebody else because they didn't understand the mechanics of it. And after I started thinking about it non-linearly, like it, it does make much more sense to you. And I think like this can kind of be applied to a broader sense of life. Uh, so, you know, the scene where when they're in the Freeport hangar, right? And we see this happen twice from two different point of views. But so we see Neil and the protagonist, they're walking through the time chamber and they see the bullet holes of, of a battle that is about to happen right and and then this the machine the time machine opens up well, I'm, it's not actually a time machine i'm just calling it that and and it opens up and out comes two figures right one in the room of neil and one with the protagonist and one figure runs out straight and the other is like fighting the protagonist but backwards like in reverse right so when we first watch that, we're meant to think there's two guys running out of the machine, but it's what we end up finding out. It's actually the same guy and he's running out at the same, like this is where the, it, it breaks you a little bit because it looks like they're running out at the same time and both events are happening concurrently, like parallel to each other. But then when you watch it from the other perspective, right, when they go 
back into that 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 scene of of the the plane crash and and um he's running into the machine when he's running into the machine he runs out the other end fuck like they're, they're, i can't try and speak this with it trying to you make can't sense speak because it into existence it's either. like i no no but and i don't know how i can try and visualize it with my words on our podcast because that's impossible but like <laughs> it's it's oh, fuck it's like oh, fuck man chris Nolan, you broke my brain thank you two in the two in the morning my brain broke but it's hard to explain bro but did that did that scene make sense to you like or, or were you just as confused by it of um because there's and there's in an instance there is three protagonists all in the same place right right did you did you pre that I, d- I did i did get that because he reverses entropy and they continued to reverse it back to the date at when they went into the the yes the hyper chamber or the not, they didn't go into the hyper chamber but they witnessed the hyper chamber no the freeport yeah, uh the hyper chamber at the uh oslo airport right? yeah um so they reversed their entropy all the way back there just so they could re-reverse it yeah back to normal um and and use that to save cat um so it it did blow my mind but it I was able to perceive it as it happened. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. It's, it is one of those things though, that it's like, because you can't think about it linearly, like, cause it's not happening linearly. Like it's, it's yeah, no parallel, right? Like it's, it's parallel, but like yeah. you have to realize that it's actually not three protagonists. It's still two. You no, perceive uh, yeah, three protagonists. Yeah, 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 yeah. You perceive that's that's what I meant. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. that exactly right. You perceive three, and that's what confused me. I'm like, how the fuck are there three guys, three same protagonists in the same room? But no, you're right. It's actually two protagonists. Um and, and that's the tricky thing about it. It's because when it looks like there's two of them running out of the room, it's actually one running into the chamber it's the and one same running, guy. running out. Except the one that's run that's it looks like they're both running out, except the but one when that's he running runs in, out, the guy that's running in is running out in reverse. Yeah, the guy that's running like it just into plays the hyper out chamber in is in reverse, so we perceive his actions in reverse. Yes. Right? Yes. So it just looks it's like showing, he's coming It's out. basically showing, it, it shows cause and effect are flowing at the same time. Like, there's they're happening at the same time. Whether we see it or not, it's there. It's happened. It's happening, and we're, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, what do you what's the word i've heard this word be called but it's a feedback loop right like it's it feeds into each other it, it's constantly uh providing the information it's a, for it's the outcome called a positive while the feedback. outcome provides a positive feedback positive loop feedback means loop. the end yeah. result of the feedback loop reinforces the starting mechanism of that loop and then the loop repeats itself there you go there you go that's that's tenant boys and girls that's right well that's a lot of things in in ecology but that's least. that's that's kind of that's kind of how the movie functions, also. Yes, exactly. The plot structure. It's a positive and, feedback yeah. loop feeding into itself. Yes. The end result yes. of the feedback loop reinforces the starting point of of the feedback loop, and it repeats itself, if not more so amplified. I don't know if it's infinitely. Yeah. yeah it 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 becomes an infinity uh, essentially. Um, yeah. And that's yeah. Why I, I, like I love to, that scene. That's why I like to picture it as sort of. Um, 
if you fold the branch over on itself and pick it out out of the tight mind and sort of have it separate from the tree because this sort of this set time between Sator discovering that and the protagonist finishing this movie is a loop on itself that continues to happen infinite infinite times over mm-hmm. until it stops and once you're out of that loop like sort of history beyond that re- resumes to normal except for the people involved in the loop if that makes sense see i i i almost think of it a little like it expands a little further than that i think you're right that it, it begins where sator uh encounters the hyperchamber for the first time um, oh, or but like then it comes goes the all the way the back to the future but dude exactly it goes back to the future and then the future yeah so it, it has to go further it has to like the whole it, it basically it's like the whole world is in a feedback i mean like life is a feedback loop like life is a paradox i mean that's said oh, enough man, but many, what does oh, that mean i wonder if they made oh man if they made multiple um people try to find the algorithm or actually, that wouldn't work because you kind of only need, you need one person to assemble it for you. So that makes sense how they only really tried this once. This was sort of like a last-ish effort by the um, non-grandfather paradox group of people in the future that want to reverse the entropy and don't think it will destroy the world. Versus the other people who do believe in the grandpa grandfather paradox. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. Uh that's 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 what they said they want to find it so that they can separate it essentially like oh, sorry, it reassemble like it yeah they want and they can only really do that with one person because you can't really communicate with someone in the past you can only give them a set set of instructions have them right, reassemble right. it and then tell them where they reassembled it but they never got the note back so so yeah yeah exactly that that that's why i was saying it makes me think of like okay like yeah the credits rolled and everything but like what next right like that that's that's one battle loss for the bad guys so technically i'm sure they technically it ends after they send the hyper chamber back with the first entropy technically it ends at that point because at that point for the uh if if they had at that point if the if if the non-grandfather paradox people sent the hyperchamber back to Sator. As soon as they sent mm-hmm. it back, they should have experienced reverse entropy immediately. Or they should have had access to it immediately. Why? Because the whole point of sending stuff back, right? Having Sator reassemble it for you, then tell you where it is, it means they should have had the location instantly because it would have already happened. Once they once they started the cycle by sending that hyperchamber back to Sator in the first place. So you're saying no, but I, I don't know. That's another thing that breaks my brain a little. How so? Say that again. They would have had. So if they, they would have the, known, yeah, no, what they would have known, like they didn't know at the time, but once as soon as they sent that hyperchamber, okay, there's there's um a little experiment Stephen Hawking did. Okay. Stephen Hawking threw a time traveler's party where he invited, he set invitations all throughout the world um, and had them um, preserved. And it was an invitation to a time traveler's party where um, Stephen Hawking gave the exact location and time for the time travelers to show up and have a party with him. 
but they didn't show yeah. up. Yeah. So had time travel been actually invented, invented ever, they would have went. To they would have went to that party. It's sort of the same principle yeah. with that. Whereas if they had, if Sator had properly assembled the algorithm and and shared its location with them, once as soon as they sent that invitation, same same premise. As soon as they sent Sator that hyper chamber back in time, they would have gotten it and they would have. Um, used it. Yeah, so that's that's again the grandfather paradox yeah. right there again. So if yeah. so it ends there because they actually don't succeed. So once they press that button, what or whatever they did to to send that hyperchamber back to Sator, as soon as they realized they weren't getting it, then they realized it was over and it was hopeless. Otherwise the world would have Otherwise ended the world would have ended moment. as soon as they did that. As soon as that happened, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's another thing, though. That so that's where the, that's uh, where the, sorry that's where the loop ends. This is where that tangent went. That's yeah. where the loop ends. Yeah. See, this is where I start to think like, okay, is it all one loop though, or because because they say free will still acts as an agent in all of this, right? Like people still have free will and and inability or like the act action right of people causes this cause and effect chain to be a thing and and people's actions ultimately right. is people still have free will in their thing. decisions but their decisions yes. are being repeated but that's what makes me think like if if every uh decision is being repeated and this is the same loop then fine but if like if like in the in the beginning of the movie there's there's uh there's the the test that's given to the character to the to the protagonist right and that's under the implication that people have failed that test before right and he's and by the end of the movie we find out this is the protagonist recruiting the protagonist um it makes me think like the only reason that's there is like as a fail safe for maybe this version of the protagonist being different somehow or making a different choice you know like it's almost like a fail safe for a reason you know uh it's a it's another re- or it's the same reason why i think neil even while knowing the protagonist and and they have a history and a friendship he still asks him in the beginning of the movie or in the beginning of their interaction it's like would you kidnap a woman and uh, a child right uh otherwise it's kind of like a weird question that he would ask a person that he already knew or whatever like under those implications or, or under that context i guess he didn't but so can you hold that for you know what i mean though like um i just saw the biggest spider of my entire life um, crawl across the floor and I'm going to go kill it because Oof. I can't have that shit running around in my house. Oof. Take care of that. that oh, heard that. Heard that. Loud and clear. <laughs> Silent airways. Silence. But yeah, this is um, this is might be one of my favorite movies uh, this year, being that I haven't seen many new movies this year. Whew! Fucking hell! Big ass fucking wolf spider. Jesus Christ! Fuck those things. That's scary. Well, not scary, just annoying. Well, the wolf spider is a fucking demonic looking spider. Yes, sure. it is. My if my if my uh, encyclopedic memory of spiders is correct. No, but yeah, that's a motherfucking ugly spider right there. That's uh, what are we talking about? Fucking something. Something about tenant. 
obviously. Um, something about uh, Neil. Something about Neil. Oh yeah, the um, the idea that that there's like fail safes in place for the protagonist, right? Did you catch that? Yeah, kind of. Like w- just because, and like my interpretation of that is like, okay, like free will is still a thing. Like, you know, I don't know. And then that makes me think like, okay, then parallel universes have to be a thing. Like parallel worlds. He if still that's the has case, free there would will. Be it's just that he doesn't. Versions. He doesn't know that in the time of him doing it, that it's actually predetermined. So is it still technically yeah. is free will? But then, isn't it predetermined? Then, if it all, if it all no, it's, fits into it's, the, it's all happened know? before. But it had to have happened at least one time first. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. There it had to have happened one time first where those decisions were still technically free will and if the looping protagonists are still unaware that they are within a loop then it is still technically free will i think yeah because what if what if in one instance neil says fuck it i'm not going to go back and take the bullet he changes up the entire cycle at that point and he could make that choice because he's aware of that of his choice there like he's actively every time that that situation happens, he's actively going in to, to, to take that bullet. But what I'm saying is, what if he says even one time that I'm not going to take that bullet? Well, right? that and the happen. protagonist does get shot because this is a loop, and the first time it happened continues to happen. No, you're, I know you're saying. So then that makes me think that there's no free will. That it's the same. It's the same event that's always going to take place, and free will is just an illusion. No, but this this event know, just happened once, right? You gotta don't don't it, think it had to have happened at least once. You gotta yes, stop thinking literally, Sid. You gotta stop thinking it. No, no, I know, I know, and I'm trying. I'm trying to be aware of that. But you're right. This event had to have happened at least once. Right. Yes. It happened once, one time, where someone's decisions caused the end result, right? And then the decisions of the protagonist were made to set up so the exact same decisions happened again, right? Yeah. But without them yeah. knowing it. So, yes, it's technically... Actually, no, it still is their decisions. It's just... But, ex- yeah, because now at, by the end of the movie, the protagonist is going to act fully aware that he has to recruit Neil, that he's going to send Neil in to do this mission. Like, everything from that point on is in full awareness. Like like we said before, like this, the protagonist becomes like a god character because... He knows where where this is, or like for the most part, he knows what to do, where to go, what like what the path is for him, and sh- like shit like that. Because um, it just works itself out. I don't know because because he knows yeah. he he knows that he eventually recruits himself, and he knows that he recruits Neil, right? He knows that already because he's he just lived it, so he knows it works. It, yeah. He works itself out. He like. Yeah, it's nope. tough to say. The effect is he's already living the effect, right? Like he's already there doing what he's doing. Therefore, the cause had to have worked, and for the cause have to have been like it's a positive feedback loop, man. That's what it all comes back down to. It's like, gosh, like I don't know. Neither do I, man. Um, I, I, I've, I've like so far I've seen, I think two or three podcast slash um people trying to talk about this i've movie only seen like after two useful videos 
I haven't seen one. I haven't seen, and I, I don't think I will. Be, and I don't even know how useful this video, or I mean, this podcast will be. Because to me, this is just two guys, like, like having therapy after watching a movie that deeply, um, like, it has, has done something to their mentalities. You know, like, this is a... Yeah, it, it's 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 a movie that I think everybody will kind of express in 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 their own ways, or you know, try and figure out together, but have their own interpretations. Maybe um, because it's just so big. It's such a it's a huge concept. It's a huge. It has big implications, also, right? Like the stuff that it makes you kind of consider are, are not small ideas. No, it's very taxing. Um, it's fairly. It's taxing. very taxing yeah. to to talk about and to and to think about um it's gonna be fun to like keep talking about though i feel i mean like not that every podcast now is gonna be a tenant episode but i mean in the sense that this is a movie that's gonna have a long shelf life that you know i'm, I'm sure after you have your second viewing or i have my third viewing or even after the 10th or 12th viewing for both of us like there's gonna be new things that we find out or, or new insights that we can always kind of like get back to talking about you know yeah for sure um it's it'll be interesting to see um i don't want to i don't want to say that this movie will have legs i still don't know it's it's hard to replicate what inception had um yeah but we'll see it's it's definitely going to be a movie that will be fun to talk about with with friends for sure that um, yeah it, it it's a good car ride uh like back from the movie theater for sure with like friends or family whoever you watch oh yeah it, like, no, it was a great car it's ride gonna back. make for an interesting conversation it's it what? a great card right back uh shout out to yeah to my buddy painter um that was that was a great card right back where we just like what like we yeah. started having revelations on the on the on the way home and it was nice <laughs> that's that's always fun that's just like and and i think just not being able to do that a lot this year and um it's 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 good being able to kind of enjoy that you know like as weird as it sounds because I ne- you know you never think you're going to be in a situation where going to a movie is now suddenly like i i was still like having kind of a dilemma about even going to watch the movie just because of everything so like and, I, and i've seen it twice now and i still want to see it and you know that dilemma is still going to be there but uh it's it's the, the least bit or, or sorry like the most enjoyable part other than watching the movie is being able to talk about it in a social way again, um, not just everybody individually watching Netflix and stuff. But something we haven't gotten onto yet about this movie is the score. What were your thoughts about the score on this one? Lackluster? Non-existent? Ooh, boo. I don't like your opinion on that. Fucking I didn't, I couldn't, des- I couldn't come out of the humming anything. So, yeah. You're not a Travis Scott fan, are you? <laughs> what? Was there a Travis Scott thing in this movie? Dude, so, like, again, like, talking about Destiny, because uh, this movie has a lot to talk about Destiny. Like, my favorite filmmaker is Christopher Nolan, right? He is the filmmaker that single-handedly, not single-handedly, I shouldn't say it that dramatically. He is, like, the filmmaker that motivated me and inspired me to want to pick up a camera and, and tell stories with the camera. And, like, you know, that that's what kind of opened the eyes to the magic of filmmaking. And and Travis Scott is my all time favorite rapper. So like last week, I found out they're co- they collabed on a song for this movie, it, and it made it into the trailers. And 
you know the heist scene, the the fire truck heist when they're they're stealing the plutonium. Uh, yeah, obviously, yep. Yeah, so that the score in that scene alone had featured like his vocals, his ad libs, and it's a really like distinct sound if you listen to his music. It's like the the same hum that's in every one of his songs almost. So when I heard that in the theater, like I like nearly creamed my pants fucking uh, not just once in this movie like multiple times just you know whatever but th- knowing that there was a Travis Scott and Chris Nolan collaboration and and having to, getting the chance to hear his like sort of vocalization in, in the Chris like in a Chris Nolan movie let alone I was like this is destiny like this is like fucking uh, it felt like like a halo light or like a spotlight hitting me in the audience like Sid Grover this this is a moment for you to just appreciate so no, no, I was. I'm just kidding around with you, like on the, on the, on the, that side of it. But yeah, no, it, for me, it definitely had a, a strong, strong music influence or whatever. Whatever. I don't know. I just don't think it will. Good, it will be as like it, it, it's not no Hans Zimmer score. No, exactly. I never have that. You know, Inception. Like Inception became a meme with its sound, right? The, and, the that yeah and, that that's not going to be replicated. It's it's a different style of, of score yeah, though. I think Batman, like, the the Dark Knight trilogy's French horns and 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 it, yeah, um, you know, there will never be another moment like Interstellar's. Come on, come no. on, Tars. You know, oh dude, the the Interstellar score itself is like fuck. That is so. I was ex- I was expecting one of the, some of the best. I didn't music. think. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's I fair. Wanted, that's if, fair. They, I wanted something um, iconic to hum out of a summer blockbuster. You know what I mean? I we don't we didn't get anything to hum. No, but, but we like, did get. You good know, beats, there's nothing I that think. really stood like it. It they didn't like. Like that's a cool moment that you talked about with with the score using that within the moment there, but there's no like standout. I know, what you, I, know, I know what you mean there's um a musical yeah. note or a musical melody yeah i know what you mean here here's my uh kind of coming from the side of like music producing and like i i the music uh the guy who did the score behind this ludwig goronson his background is like in like hip-hop music and like he produces beats for like a lot of artists and stuff like that and makes a lot of film scores as well so he's he's a part of like two worlds that i'm really passionate about and, and i and i uh, I, I appreciate this movie a lot more because it melds those two worlds together in a way that like that I can really appreciate. So so for like for me, it I agree with you. It doesn't have those those melodies, those catchy and hummable melodies that like a Hans Zimmer score might give you. And and that has its own flavor, like that has its own emotional vibrance and vibe to it. This is like to me what I got from this was just it it did have a vibe, but it was so like cold and aggressive and like stomping your feet and like it, it it had this like just a catchy beat to it that i could like i could i could match the action up with that what i was watching was also being translated with sound you know like it, it paired audio and visual up really well i thought like and the moment this really clicked for me and i i'm wondering if for you you, you had a similar moment of like aha uh-huh, was um in the kitchen fight scene when he's like beating the shit out of those fucking bodyguards in the kitchen right Mm -hmm. and he gets a cheese grater and just does the cheese grater thing with the guy you know you know i'm talking about yeah that there's there's that sequence and and then the musical the musical score kicks in at that point and it's like each punch is like a the sound of each punch hitting 
keyed up with like the sound of the score it, it's all like to me it's coming out like music like the the a moment where like score and and visual merge like that where where the it, it becomes a seamless like dance almost between music and visuals you know uh yeah but I, like, I don't know i was getting a bunch of that it just seems so invisible to me the entire score like i, I can't remember a single moment throughout a film i can close my eyes and picture a song from a movie and I can take myself back to the theater or to my living room of where I watched it and then know exactly what scene it mm-hmm. is. I can't say that for this yeah. movie. I know what you mean. It's it's like I think that's goes to with what I'm saying though. It's like it's a really cold and like mechanical score. It doesn't give you those memorable melodies like this like how Interstellar has the the Interstellar theme and and that's a really distinct melody and you know when you hear that melody this interstellar you're right this movie doesn't really have that like i'm sure the the guy that did the score would argue and say yeah it does have a main theme or whatever but it doesn't have something you can hum but i think maybe like for me like that might not even have worked like very well with this kind of tone like for me matching those kind of action set pieces that this movie is really heavy on and spectacle like I don't know how much I, I would have been like taken back with almost seeing kind of a melody, a melodic score, you know, like I thought the score that we got was like perfectly fitting. Uh, it, it wasn't a Hans Zimmer score and I and I definitely missed that. Like that wasn't, I think we might've just, we've heard so much Hans Zimmer and like Christopher Nolan and like seeing their works collaborated with and like all that, that it, it's different to see or hear somebody new and their take through like, a Chris Nolan film, but I think it really worked on this. Like it, it gave you like a really kind of tactile kind of a sense of, 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 uh, the action. Like there was a real beat to everything. There was a real, a griminess, a real, just like, it, like atmospheric isn't the right word of a sound, but it was like a setting. It was, it was a world that was just piercing through the action. If that makes sense. It's more, um, you kind of like that it kind of blends in like it, but yeah, like you're saying it's invisible, but I'm, I'm, I'm almost seeing that as you're a agreeing with me it. that it's invisible. It's, it's just, it's, I, I, but I, yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's less or it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a little more toned down. It's more picking and choosing its moments to, to pop out at you. And that's what I like. Like it, it, ha- it's, it's, it's like unnatural yet organic. You know, it's not, it's not instrumental. It's electronically, like it's, I think more electronic and it has this kind of like animalistic grunginess to it. Like, I know I'm using really like out there words to describe it. Like, I don't know how to, to kind of, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of uh, giving what like I feel when I, when I see a scene match with a really good score like that it has, like what I feel is, is less of, less of, uh, of, of like being aware of the music like almost when you, you know sometimes when you hear a really good score in a movie you become super distinctly aware like this is a good piece of music good piece of score and and the job of it i think is almost to like you don't want to be aware of it but you want to be aware of the feeling that it gives you and in, in context of the film and and the story and the visuals and that's what i think this kind of it hits nail on the head like you get a good vibe you get a good feeling like the intended feeling you know what i mean no but i didn't i didn't well, maybe because you were able to identify. I, I, I know. Who I'm the saying I got that, but it, you knew going in. Yeah, yeah. I, 
I, for one, just literally felt no resonation with regards to the music. I didn't enhance any scene for me. It didn't take away from any scene for me. It was just sort of, I guess, there, and I can't even remember what it sounds like. So it's like, um, and I usually pick up on those things because, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm also quite musically inclined when when it comes to that. And, you know, I I will rewatch scenes just for musical I can almost see... I can almost see like how it like lines up with our music sen- musical sensibilities because like I-, I definitely agree with you in in the in, in like the criticism that you just said about it like I can I can that's a valid point to me and I think it, it becomes subjective or just like depends on the person and like I like that producer so I'm I'm gonna like his music anyway so I, I completely think what you said is valid but it almost also lines up with our musical sensibilities right like. I'm I'm not trying to forward think too much, but like, cause you played the guitar and I think you're kind of, that's your natural keenness towards melodic sounding music or more, uh, something more distinct in that kind of a way that can give you a, more of a shape or a feeling to that that's molded and you can kind of hold on to in that kind of a sense. Um, and like something like this was, was just like, it, it, it brought me back to like a, the hip hop bases that I'm kind of used to in those kind of grungy beats and, and, and electronic and synth inspired sounds and stuff like that, that are just more unnatural, but things that like almost like I'm used to playing with like these kind of tactile sounds that like I'm aware of, like, does that make sense? Like kind of coming from your sensibility and stuff like that. As a long winded way of saying, yeah, I'm not a big fan of electronic music. Let's just say. I, I, yeah, not just electronic though. Like, I think you there's like there's ways it can be done melodically, like electronic music. You know, yeah, even but that it, this just, didn't play to it's, that. It's not about melodies; it's about instruments to me. Electronic. Oh, okay. So yeah, that was a long-winded way of saying you like instruments and clear-cut instruments. Yeah, sounds. not not necessarily clear-cut, like the orchestral um, movie themes that I enjoy. It's like I yeah. don't really. I'm not. I'm not so interstellar. Out, violins and cellos and yeah and tubas in certain songs it's just that i like to hear um this is going to get super philosophical but humans are extremely flawed and i feel as though music best expresses that flawness and it can only really be expressed realistically through an instrument because an instrument's never technically in tune um and I feel like that gets missed when we dive deeper into electronic music where it's like it's good for certain things, but in terms of emotional resonation, it doesn't fit well with me. Mm, here, Here's something I'll, I'll say to you, that credit of that point right there. Uh, the score of this film isn't hugely emotionally resonant. I think that's something I picked up on too. It's not like the Interstellar score, which I think like I could not literally, but like I, I'd feel ways definitely like thinking some about those or, or just like remembering or even hearing back some of those themes and stuff like that. Um, but this is like, I could, it's a, it's a different mood. Like it's a completely different vibe. Like it's almost like you can't compare the two type of uh, sounds because they operate differently. So yeah, I don't know how like another, how like instruments would have done on a film like this. I really don't. I I I I'm happy with what we got on this, uh, with the with how the music was done on this one. 
like Hans Zimmer's it would definitely have fit. Like not to say his his, his music wouldn't have fit. Because what's he working on instead? It for sure would have been dope. He was working on another film instead. Right now, yeah. Instead uh, of doing Tenet, he was doing a different film. God, I really hope it's. Yeah, I really hope it's uh, worth not doing Tenet. <laughs> I don't know. Um, what's he working on right now? Oh, Dune. Yeah, Fuck, yeah, yeah. Dude. He's on Freaking fucking Dune. Dune, dude. Yeah. So, yeah. So okay, give him, give him Dune. Yeah, that's, that's fine. fine. I don't Dune. care. Like, I can have that's no totally score cool. in this movie for Dune to have a fucking kick-ass but score. Did you did you know that also the the opening theme for Star Wars for like every Star Wars movie is re-recorded, and, and exactly for like what you just said also is like because the you know humans playing instruments and and that'll always produce a different sound every time and like uh, so they they they. It made sure that each for every episodic Star Wars film, the opening uh, fanfare and all that would be freshly recorded to fit the tone and the vibe of that film. I actually didn't know that. Uh, I, don't know I thought they that. just used like newer ones for the prequels and then even newer ones for the sequels. But then no, but like they they re-recorded it. No, yeah, each one is unique. Oh, apparently, wow. I'll have I'll have yeah. to. Which I, I actually I should go back and listen to all all of them. I know it, every time. I, yeah, I want to kind of uh compare and contrast that myself oh well what do you say we about we were on this for over two hours what do you say about we uh we wrap it up yeah that yeah i got i got i don't know how much i can yeah, i got nothing really left put to my say. <laughs> yeah i don't know how much like we're i this is how i feel i'm fucking oh god somebody's calling me i feel like i'm like with an ice pick just hitting a hit a the back of the cave trying to find more answers for something that is i'm just going to be hitting for a while now yeah um i think the main takeaway from this is tenet is a pretty mind-busting film um but it's a fun film to talk to your friends with and about yeah right it's, it's um in many ways it exceeded my expectation but in many ways it uh it went below it uh, i can't say that this movie is blow my mind out amazing um uh i i do like this movie i just think i like other nolan movies a lot more i think he took a big risk with this movie and um i feel as though he succeeded in some ways but um with regards to the visual showcase of the concept he was he was giving us, but he sort of fell flat in other ways in terms of actual character and plot and what I expect um, out of a Nolan movie where I still have that emotional resonation within a character to help me guide through the crazy world that he's created. So um, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd still give this movie a watch and I, I'd still really, I really enjoyed it. It was a hell of a movie experience coming out of the theater. Um, but looking back, you know, I can't not acknowledge the the glaring flaws that I that I see, and I kind of wish that Nolan, for his next movie, sort of flattens out and 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 gets a little simpler and goes back to his bread. Yeah, and like we were talking about it. We talked about it on the phone. Like Dunkirk was a real uh, good change of pace in his filmography when that came out, and it's almost like time, like that. To do that again. That's the next film. Something like along those. Yeah, which I, I'm I would be looking forward to that. Dunkirk was like a really big uh, drastic change in in his lineup. So this being kind of the top of us conceptually out there films, yeah. Um, and I I told this to you too. This is 
like Nolan's most Nolan Noliniest film yeah. yet. Um, it, it it's like a bit of a best ofs kind of compilation of Nolan's ideas, and I'm not trying to just I'm not trying to shorthand him by saying that. Um, and I like I genuinely mean that in the sense that he takes the aspects of like a, like all of his prior work, which I'm sure he does like on all of his movies, you know, but like. I, I, I truly was aware that there's so many things that um, influence and feed into this movie, like structurally speaking and thematically and, and, and stuff that he films, like sh- specific shots he films. And like it, there's so many kind of like callbacks to his previous works. And it's this film is really like a, it's like a good point in his filmography to show like everything that has come before and hopefully things to come in the future it's it you know that i was telling you this it has like the entire plot structure memento as kind of one function of the story the curvature and the parallel storytelling aspect of it like you know there there it has all these cues that i think as a nolan fan if you know as any kind of a film fan but just especially if you're you know big into christopher nolan films there's so much to chew on with this movie um but also like you said i think it's incredibly important to be critical of our favorite filmmakers. Yeah, I, d- I don't want to like a lot of people might give this this film some slack because it's Nolan, and it's like, well, it's a Christopher Nolan movie. It's like, well, yeah, but also, you know, these great filmmakers are still flawed. But that's what that's what's okay. That that's what sure. the point of making films is to and to tell stories is to learn and 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 get better at doing so. So, um, yeah, it, I don't want to hold. Nolan on a pedestal. Um, I do think no, this is a. We're, we're definitely yeah, we're not trying. No, to this do is that. a good movie, but like, there's some. It it's definitely has its flaws. It's definitely um, as far as first time viewings go, it's it's a difficult movie to fully comprehend. I uh, to say it lightly, um, but honestly, that works to that works to the type of movies Christopher Nolan makes. So if if you you know you're kind of aware of that when you're going into it, um, just be prepared to kind of you know have ideas you have your eyebrows raised and have your ideas expanded and your perspective kind of expanded i think that's one of the greatest things nolan brings as a filmmaker and you know i haven't even really talked much about his filmmaking in this movie which is i think we could do an an entire another episode on just like the the practical filmmaking of this episode like not once have we really touched on that yet uh in in a a true sense i think just a few quick points are like not a single green screen was used in this film right like everything was done in camera like very little use of cgi and visual effects like most of the stuff he captured in camera which is i think when you watch it you start to think about that and you just start to like lose your shit a little bit at least i i definitely lost my shit trying to understand how things certain things are filmed like how like you know you see shit like a fucking 50 soldiers running forward in full speed forward like you know into the battle yeah. and and in their in their setting around them there's buildings exploding there's a whole town on like war zone like an entire town that they're using as a war zone with buildings exploding but all in reverse so like oh my god i can't even try and like say quick it without losing in. my quick shit points. like yeah yeah quick points quick points uh yeah amazing filmmaking there's two lines of time and action happening at the same time 
it blows my mind how they filmed this. It's a must-watch movie. I think that's that's what I'll shout out at. to Sean Avery as uh, as doing his a great, great, great acting role of Red Soldier number three um, with his one line. I forget what it is, but um, shout out to Sean Avery. I'm sure he had a couple hard day shoots. Um, if you don't know, Sean Avery is an old NHL hockey player that used to beat the shit out of people and is a massive cockhole. But oh, shit. he seems that's pretty cool, like an actual decent guy. But yeah, he was in this movie. And yeah, that's a little bit of a hockey insight there sorry. for you, for the hockey right. fans. Um, yeah. Cheney, any last words for us for, for we sign off? Uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram. At Mythic Morons. Yep. Uh, we constantly post about what movies we're going to watch so you can sort of keep up, join in the conversations. Um, you can send us a message there, give some feedback in the comments, um, but make sure you follow us. Um, also, give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Um, helps a lot, helps with exposure, helps the algorithm. Um, it, re- it really does help a lot. You have no idea how much it helps. Um, and just uh, thanks for listening. And, uh, yeah, signing off. Yep. Thanks for listening guys. And make sure you, uh, make sure you stay a part of our conversations and, and yeah, I won't, I won't keep it long winded. Cheney said everything well and great and watch, watch movies, guys, watch movies. That, I think that should be the catchphrase at the end. Enjoy life, watch movies. And yeah, with that signing off. <laughs>